You know, you know, you know the old saying about twins, right? What? There's two of them. Gosh, I don't like you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain that joke right. for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm all anxious. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the intro. Ready? Okay. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is April, and you can find me at wilkerdews.com. And I'm hanging out with my two really good buddies. I went blank on y'all's names. What's your names? <laughs> I'm Jim. <laughs> That's right, Jim. That's right, Jim. No, I'm hanging out with my buddies, Nick Ferry. You can find him at nickferry.com. And then Jay Bates, found at jayscustomcreations.com. What's going on, guys? That's not my name. What is it? Yes, that's my name. Oh, gosh. Sometimes when I'm talking, it's like I get so nervous and I don't actually hear what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you did excellent. Thank you. Maybe I'll take it over from now on. We can alternate. Well, before we get into it, let me uh, list the uh, patrons for this week. We definitely appreciate that over on the Patreon page. Starting in no particular order, I just go from the bottom of the list to the top. St. Nixter, Christopher Michael Copes, Terry Burns, Dyson, Paige Bonifaci, Fred McIntyre, Kyle Vatek, Darren Pruitt, Martin Wagner, Steve Mills, John Wilson, Clement Brizard, Don Chesser, George Thomas, Modern Builds, Jason Adamsek, Chris Stokesmore, Cole Broshard, Jameson Elm, J.M. Tosses, and Scott Griffith. And a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, <laughs> just so you guys are aware over on Patreon, it sounds like we're going to be changing that because as we're getting more and more, you know, it's we don't want to be reading a dictionary on here. So um, we'll, we'll be switching that up probably a little bit, but uh, uh, you'll still be on the website article no matter what. And, uh, and of course, we'll, we super appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much for the support. We Yes, with a capital S in super. Super. Speaking of capital S in super, someone's got a knack for knocking out these massive projects, Miss April oh over goodness. there. What, what are you doing to the side of your shop? You know, I was corrected. I was call, calling this thing an awning, but my buddy George, he, he was like, that is not an awning. An awning's like maybe over the shop door with like a little cotton tarp or something. This is apparently called a veranda. <laughs> a veranda? I would have called it an awning as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think there's... Uh, whenever people think of an awning, it's like maybe something that is attached actually with like diagonal members coming off of the side of a building, whereas a veranda is actually post in the ground, ground level. And it's just like this, this is actually tied into the roof structure of my barn. But yeah, it is a massive project. I, I completely underestimated this one. This is probably the like worst that I've ever underestimated a project. I thought I was going to be able to knock it out in three days. I'm on day six. <laughs> yeah, you started tearing into it, and I was like, "Oh, she's she's actually going for it." Okay, okay. There you go. Well, I wasn't. I I didn't think I, that I was going to have to. My original plan going into this was to put like a brace along the uh, the, the my shop side. And uh, just make sure that it was into the stud and actually come out with a new roof line instead of going into my existing roof line. But then looking at it, I was like, oh, no big deal. I'll just tear off that fascia board and then just go directly into the tail rafters. Well, then I tear off the fascia board, which is just some cheap masonite. And whoever built it, built it well. And they have a two by four behind it. 
And then, so in order to get that two by four off, I had to get the decking off, which means removing all the shingles, all the drip edge, all the tar paper. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I bit off a little bit more than what I was realizing. It's not more than I can chew, but it is definitely more than what I thought. (laughs) Well, good luck with that. I just Googled veranda, by the way. And according to Google, it is a roofed platform along the outside of a house level with the ground floor. Yeah. Well, isn't yours slanted? It is. Yeah, that's not a veranda. I would say I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm guessing maybe I'd call it a lean-to. Um, well, it's not it's not closed in. It's four posts along the front, and it's tied into uh, the side of my shop, and so it goes the entire. It's thirty-one feet long, and then comes out six feet. If you if you look on Instagram, actually, it's not there yet. I've been I've been showing stories, so anybody who's been following the stories on Instagram has been watching me do it. But I got the roof on, and I was actually out there just this morning finishing the electrical because I decided to deck the underside as well and then put in some lighting. So I still have that in the decking, and then I need to trim out the box posts and also maybe add in some diagonals just for some aesthetics. Nice. Regardless of what it's called, just call it sweat equity. It's a lot of work, (laughs) and it goes into the value of the house. That's all it is. Yeah, and I mean, it's a lot of fun, a big learning experience. Uh, I've never done anything like this before where I've had to tie an existing structure into or tie a new structure into an existing one. Like my little lean-to, I just did exactly what I was talking about, putting a brace on and then tying the rafters into that. But this, I actually had to tear back material and change the pitch of the roof slightly. It's It's been a lot of fun. Nice. I like the fact that you can naturally expand what you already have um, with the same style and whatnot. My back porch is like a 12 by 16 square that sticks out away from the the back of the house. But the way that they tied the roof into the house, they did not, it looks like it was completely after the fact of the house being built. Uh, it looks like maybe the second owner uh, used some type of corrugated metal box system to make a, a completely uh, non-related to the the, the style of the house roof that's somewhat built in sticks out and because of which it doesn't look like it, it doesn't look natural doesn't look like it's it belongs but it's big enough to where I don't want to tear it down and mess with it or at all but because it doesn't look like it matches and because it doesn't just flow it, it's very difficult to expand upon that if I wanted to make the porch bigger so mm-hmm. I like the direction you're going with yours keeping it all like flowing where it looks the same Well, good. That gives me some validation because I was kicking myself a little bit afterwards thinking, man, am I taking the hard road? Like, should I have just created a new roof line underneath my existing one? So I'm glad to hear that because honestly, it was a lot more work stripping back all of that material in order to to tie into the existing roof line. But now that it's done and roofed and and the shingles match the the shop, it looks outstanding in my opinion. But yeah, it, it is a big project, but I actually have a quite a few big projects planned right now because the weather's cooling off. I mean, it's still a little warm. It's been in the 80s, but I'll take 80s over 100 any day of the week. Yeah, it's been in the high 80s here. Yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, but last night was Halloween here in the United States. And um, typically, we, we don't have any kids, so typically my wife goes with her best friend taking her daughter trick-or-treating and this is the first year out of the past like five that i've tagged along with them just to walk around and get some good exercise but i was walking around i'm like man this is this is halloween night the sun's down and i'm sweating walking around it's 
oh, it was almost 90 degrees last night. It was insane. It was like I grew up, I think I remember one year going trick-or-treating and there was snow on the ground. Wow. It was, um, it was, it was just, it was just really weird. That was the first time I've had like a actual Halloween experience in my adult life, I guess. But yeah, the weather has just been, it just doesn't want to cool off. What's going on with you guys? I feel like I've been talking forever. What do y'all got on the bench? Um... Nothing on the bench right now. I've been doing some SketchUp stuff on my pantry. I've got a, what we always called a pantry, which I think it was originally intended as a, I guess a universal space, something that could be used as a pantry, something that could be used as a hall closet. But because the last owner used it as a pantry, we perceived it as a pantry and it just doesn't make sense. So I'm going to, this week, convert it back into a hall closet and do some type of organizational solutions inside it, which means that I need to do some organizational solutions in the inside the kitchen cabinets to get the food out of the pantry. Um, in the end, I think it'll just be, I'll still have extra space available, and it'll just be like, what's the old saying? Kill two birds with one stone. I think I will be able to accomplish like six things by just getting this one project done. So it's going to be uh, regardless of how the video turns out, how the project and all that turns out, it's going to be very beneficial for the the flow of the household, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. But so, um, yeah, our house was the same way. It was so old that they did not build a pantry into it. I guess they just didn't need pantries or I have no idea. But um, we had to store all of the food in a few different cabinets and the cabinets were placed in a way that it blocked your view if you were in the kitchen to the living room and vice versa. So whenever I built my pantry, it was also the same thing. Not only did it give me a place to put all of my food outside of the kitchen cabinets, but it also allowed me to rip down four giant cabinets and create a more openness from the kitchen to living room. Yeah. So good for you. I'm, I'm excited, but it's going inside the house. Weren't you originally thinking about building an outdoor pantry? Uh, different uses. Uh, what I was calling oh, okay. an outdoor pantry was kind of like... Not nothing to do with food. It was more or less a more or less a mini shed pantry style where you just have like I think I've seen something like this before. So my idea for an outdoor pantry was I still have my main shed in the back corner of my property out of sight now. Um, but it's so inconvenient to walk out there for commonly accessed items like a rake or a, le- or a shovel or something like that. So next to the garage, you sink two 4x4 four four posts in the ground and then basically build a very large, almost like a French cleat cabinet that you just hang on those two posts. So mm-hmm. it's elevated off the ground just a little bit. You open up these two doors and you have maybe... Uh, 16, 18 inches deep storage, maybe 36 inches wide stuff for commonly accessible items like uh, rakes and shovels and maybe bug spray and stuff like that. Stuff that you necessarily wouldn't want to go all the way to the backyard to get. But that's just an idea at this stage. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. So what about you, Nick? How's the shop organization overhaul coming along? Slowly. Hey, you know what, though? I'm super proud of you. High five, buddy. <laughs> for taking that it's, on it's just um there, it's a roller coaster because i i'd move major items but then i'd go to the point of moving one pile of stuff to a different pile and that's all it seemed like i was doing forever i've been working on that for i, I want to say close to a week almost every day almost 14 hours a day each day like i tend to get out there at like 10 a.m and i'm not done until like midnight and uh 
yeah, it's coming along. Hopefully, hopefully I recorded enough to make videos out of it, but it was, it was kind of a difficult one to record. So what is it that you're doing? Are you, are you literally trying to go to every single space or, and clean it up? Or are you just focusing on one particular area? Uh, I'm going, yeah, every space, top to bottom, everything. And it all started with looking to get a bandsaw and just knowing that that bandsaw corner was, there was no room for anything. And so that, that stemmed into, well, I need more drawers and I need more drawers quickly. So I just bought a couple mechanics toolboxes and then built the thing around that. And then I had sheet goods that had to go somewhere. So I built a lumber rack for that. And then I had to store my snowblower. So I built a little, you know, cubby for that. And yeah, if, if, if I add any more, I might be nailing boards to my neighbor's house at this point. <laughs> the same neighbors that complain about noise. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of that the other night, and hopefully by some weird chance he does not listen to this. But um, I think mm-hmm. he's only complained about woodworking noise once, and it technically wasn't even woodworking noise. It was the night I put in my drywall, and we were using impacts you know, to put in the drywall screws right into the structure, so maybe that was – and it wasn't even that late. Uh, I don't even want to get into – I think it was like 1130 on a non-week night. But man, that is like I'm in bed by nine. <laughs> well, you know, you're old though. <laughs> yeah. Getting up there now. But it it's yeah, it's a slow going process, which is weird. I've I've actually found a lot of things that I haven't opened since like three shops ago, which is kind of cool. Like I'd I'd open up a box, and be like, wow, I totally didn't even know I had this. And, <laughs> yeah. So when are you gonna finish the hardware storage? The that's, Harbor Freight one. Yeah, that's looming on me. I I, I really want to get that done ASAP, but um, I needed a spot to put this bandsaw. Mm-hmm. So, so when's the bandsaw being delivered? I don't know. I I got the like the the bill of you know, shipping, whatever you want to call it, confirmation. Not I mean not confirmation, but all the stuff that should be in the boxes and stuff. Bill of lading. No, it's not a bill of lading, but so maybe this week. Uh. Yeah, I'm hoping this week, yeah. It would be cool. Yeah. And I was kind of telling myself, it would be nice that when it gets here, the only mess that's in the shop is related to unboxing and assembling the Mm -hmm. bandsaw rather than... But I don't know. I said this in maybe an Instagram or something. It it just pisses me off that, you know, you can't put stuff to the curb around here. I mean, we have a family of four, you know, kids that are just, you know, one bin for garbage... We, we exceed that even if I'm not doing a cleaning of the shop. Mm-hmm. So I've been, my parents have been nice enough that they'd come over once a day and take a bag of garbage back to their house. And luckily they're not too far away, but yeah, it's a headache, but it's, it's welcomed that I might be organized at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, um, we have a good friend that owns a, uh, like a welding metalworking shop. And she actually lets us uh, dump some bigger stuff in her company dumpster if it's not full. So that's, that's really convenient. And she just lives right down the road. And then also if neat, if what's the expression push comes to shove, the uh, dump is for 45 minutes or so away. Do they charge you at the dump? No, you're allowed, uh, I think one visit a week. Mm, yeah. They charge here. And so that I'll typically, you know, if I know I need to go to the dump, I'll, I'll eat, I'll make sure that, because I think it's the first 2,000 pounds is like 30 bucks or 25, 30 bucks. 
So I don't want to take like one bag of garbage. I want to like load up a trailer full. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the dump near my folks, they charge around 75. So uh, for, for every single load, regardless of how big or small it is. So I guess we just got lucky with ours. Yeah. And I know, Jay, you moved your shop from the apartment complex, but April, is this um, your shop in Texas? Is that your first one? Yes. Yeah. Shop moving is no fun. You know what? I've already thought about it. And before, Cody and I are like expert movers. <clears throat> in fact, whenever we have friends or, or family that's moving, they just like give us the truck and just let us have at it because we are really good at just moving very quickly and unloading, especially. But I've already told Cody, whenever it comes time to moving this house and moving not only his shop, but my shop, I'm hiring it all out, all of it. Like <laughs> I will box up everything, but I'll pay the outrageous fee in order to have somebody come and move it all for me. Well, it's not even like the physical act of moving, but even just the boxing up. I mean, I've been in, I want to say like six different shops over the years and you, you, you can only be so organized and that's kind of what I'm running into. I got a few little odds and ends I got to put away, but not enough for them to have like a designated drawer or designated, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that's really going to get under my skin because I don't want to have nine drawers labeled miscellaneous or junk drawer. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. But I guess that explains why I have, I don't know, seven or eight coping saws and about 30 nail sets. <laughs> 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 I've mentioned that before at some point about the cheaper tools like uh, nail sets. They're three bucks. And if you need one, you run down to the corner store and grab one. And then you do a thorough cleaning like this and, it looks like I own stock and nail sets incorporated. I actually, I don't think I have a nail set set. Nail set a nail set set. set? Nail. <laughs> I don't think I have a nail set. Or a set of them. <laughs> or a set of them. <laughs> yeah, I I use them for. I mean, I don't use them for setting nails as much anymore, but just you know, miscellaneous stuff. Yeah, um, I could see how that how it would be useful. Do you have the uh, the overall structure of the? I guess. The L-shaped bench done? Yeah. Yeah, that's all done. And, uh, all you know, the lumber rack filled up real quick. But m- luckily, it, it contained most of what I have. Uh, obviously, you know, at any lumber storage could essentially be bigger. But that would affect how much ingress, egress I have on that one side to get out. So I didn't want to... Uh, right now, I think I'm sitting at about 39 inches of width to get in and out of the actual garage door. I don't want to go much smaller. Yeah. I've got my garage door kind of blocked off the way that it is now, but uh, everything's on wheels so I can slide it around, but I don't want to completely block it off. Well, and I figured 39 inches is wider than the, I think the widest ADA compliant door for residential structures. So I should be good getting in and out whatever I need. So it should be, should be all right. I didn't glue that section on though. That's just screws. So let me ask you guys a question. Um, with this whole hall closet slash pantry change or whatever, this is all going to be stuff that will reside behind a door. Like it's, when it's all said and done, the only time you're going to see the inside is obviously when you grab something out, it, the door stays shut. So for projects like that, part of me wants to just, you know, put it structurally, make it structurally sound with plywood, leave all the plywood edges exposed, be done with it, you know, just, just, just get it the way that I want to with organization. 
And then part of me is like, well, no, you got to edge band the edge of the plywood. And then it's like, well, if I'm going to go that far, then I might as well just paint all the plywood as well. And if I'm going that far, then, well, I could, you know, do a little bit extra over here. Right? Where do you draw the line between, like, the bottom of a table that you'll never see versus making everything a finished surface? I, I would say that's uh, obviously up to the the occupants of the home. I mean, do you want to, when you go grab something out of this closet, do you want to see the edge of plywood or do you want to see, you know, that's completely up to you. Me, if it's like Baltic birch or any type of nice plywood, I actually embrace, you know, the, the lamination layers. I like the the, kind of the industrial look, but if, is that going to irk you every time you, you go to grab a dust, you know, dust broom or. Yeah. I think that would be the line for it. Um, are you even going to see it? Whenever you look in there, some people would only be able to see it and it would drive them nuts. Whereas other people, they're not looking at it. They're just looking at the dust broom that they're looking for and then reach and grab and go. You know, I think this is like such a a topic to talk about for me right now, because personally, I look at it as like I'm out in my garage where everything is, all my shop furniture is exposed to plywood. And and I'm totally cool with that because it's functional, functional and it works and all this stuff. And then my wife, she's not out in my shop seeing all that stuff. So she's not immune to that. So mm-hmm. what's going to happen is she right now says, I don't care. Just get it done. I don't care. So I'm going to get it done. And she's going to be like, yeah, that's icky. We need to do something about that. <laughs> Jay, that's ugly. Well, that's not. That's, not <laughs> that's, that's, that's the wrong use of it. Yeah. Well, that's oh, what I'm that's talking right. about. She, is the plywood ugly or not? She uses it in a different way. Doesn't well, she say that as an expression? She yeah. says that with uh, if people are being kind of mean, like don't mean, be that's ugly. That's right. That's yeah. ugly. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she introduced Nick to a lot of southern sayings while he was down here. Oh my god, it was so cool, and I mean, it, absolutely no disrespect intended. Although I probably gave some, but it was just so cool to listen to her talk. And when she gets passionate, the it's, her cadence speeds up. And I'm like, hold on, you're going to have to slow down. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, holy crap. You know, it's like that back in the day, that guy from Micro Machines. You guys remember that guy? Mm-mm. I don't. Those little toy cars. That guy, it was like the world's fastest speaker or talker. Oh, Anyways. I don't know. But yeah, she, my wife does have a real southern twang. So much so. I mean, she grew up two hours from where we live here in Mississippi. And everybody local, it's like, where are you from? Right here. <laughs> where are you from? Yeah, where are you from? <laughs> right. No, I have a I have a girlfriend from Mississippi, and she also has a really really strong twang to her. They're right. the ones who are from uh, Poplarville or Starkville, actually. We're from Starkville. Yeah. Oh, oh so they're from Poplarville. Y'all are from Starkville. They're from Poplarville. Cedarville and Spruceville and Pineville. I, I asked her because uh, the Poplarville is spelt just like Poplar. Go figure. <laughs> No, it's it's interesting because in that, and I mean, I'm born and raised in Green Bay, and I don't have the the atypical Green Bay Wisconsinite accent. It's, but it if if you guys are familiar with King of the Hill, the what is it, Boomhauer? Boomhauer. And when I was vi- when I was visiting Jay, you know, I thought that was an exaggeration on King of the Hill, but like, no, there's people that that talk like that, and, and like I said, no disrespect. I just it was it was difficult to understand, but. If people aren't from Wisconsin and they meet some of my friends and they're like, "Hey, y'all, are y'all going?" Or I'm trying to no, see. I can't even do the accent right now. But yeah, it's different. You betcha. Oh, you guys want some brats or no? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jay, going back to the plywood. Yeah, I think it's just personal preference. I, I don't know if it's going to be behind them with you. My shop furniture is exposed plywood, like on my miter miter saw stand. 
And I think it's fine because like what you said, it's functional and I was, you know. Or let me also say that I'm not talking about CDX pine plywood. Like I would use not, not Baltic birch. I probably would if I had access to it, but um, like cabinet grade birch plywood. So there's a, mm-hmm. there's a nice birch veneer and, and solid poplar cores with very little voids kind of thing. That look is in, I mean, showing the actual laminations. But another thing to consider, do you, is it something that you, is a part of real property? And that just means, would you take it with you when you move or would you leave it there? I'd leave it. Well then, yeah, I tend to put not as much effort into stuff that's screwed and glued to the structure or, you know, by definition, what they call real property, because it's not, you know... It's not something you'd put on a moving truck and, and take with you. That's a good point to look at. Mm-hmm. I say make it out of like ebony. <laughs> ebony. 100% <laughs> solid quarter sawn ebony. <laughs> and then glue it together with the tears of angels. <laughs> oh my God. That would be a funny, funny video. Ebony with pocket hole screws. <laughs> or up. Uh- did y'all see Frank Howard's video with the bat that he put the spikes in? Yes, that was great. It was amazing. And I just, I love the narration that he puts to his videos. But no, I, I really liked it. So that wood, Bloodwood, that is a good name for that wood that he used. My buddy Wayne Brown, when I got when I got the lathe, uh, he, he gave me a bunch of small offcuts of uh, exotic hardwoods and such. And one of them is a probably a, a three inch by six inch piece of Bloodwood that's just it's just so so nice looking. Did you already use it? Uh no, I haven't. It, it's it's one of those things like you get these small little exotics and you're like, ooh, so fancy. Let's wait for the perfect time to use it. And then three years later, you're like, I'm still waiting for the perfect time <laughs> to use it. And then you're like, it you're never going to use it because it's so small and so impractical for for most all projects. So uh, I got it with the intentions of. Uh, when I got the lathe, there's no such thing as like offcuts when it comes to the lathe. You can always just put some small stuff for like pen blinks and such. Um, so I'll probably turn it into pens eventually. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it's in that pile of like like the oh factor. You know, you can't use it because it's so nice, which means you'll never use it. So why do you have it? You know, I'd I'd put it in the category of like the the add-on or accoutrements type thing, like maybe the wedge and a through mortise and tenon, or you know some pillowed plugs. And uh, I and would do something small and functional for the house that you're always going to use and need, like a like the salt and pepper shakers that you did. You can make some, you know, something that you that you're constantly going to use, but something that's small. Yeah, That'd a be toothbrush nice. holder. No, that one's lame. Don't do that. Ooh, <laughs> a a handle for your razor. Yeah, does it look like I shave? <laughs> oh, that's right. What am I thinking? <laughs> I had, but what I'm saying is that look around at something small that you use almost like daily or weekly and then, you know, make that. Yeah, I need to start replacing keys on my keyboard with like bloodwood and zero wood and <laughs> a little piece yes, of I love that. ebony for E and, you know, R for rosewood. Hey, hey, Jay, the new Max came out. The new Max. Max. Yep. The new Mac computer. Oh, computer. I'm just okay. telling you in case you want to convert. No, but you know, you know, I shared a video the other day on Twitter that said why I do not like Max. And it was someone else's perspective that I could not agree with more. But then again, you know, I'm not like Windows fanboy or, or, 
or Android fanboy. If it works, it works. It's just there's a lot of frustrating things about Mac, which is a, is a topic for a whole another discussion. As I'm talking to two multi-Mac users. I, I don't get into the debate much other than just to poke at you, but uh, I, I just like it because it's worked. And there's it seems like there's maintenance with PC. So I'm pretty much computer illiterate. Other than what I need to know, like I know Photoshop and I know the editors and stuff, Illustrator, but outside of that, if there's an error, <laughs> I'm done. I might as well just buy a new one. <laughs> And, that, and that's another, we should bring that up for, for electronics in the shop. I'd be curious to know uh, on the audience if if they have TVs out there. I mean, a lot of people have radios, but TVs or do you have, uh, you know, maybe a little computer that you can, you know, play some YouTube videos or some podcasts or something. Because people are always like, wow, your, your laptop's out in the shop. Doesn't it get dusty? I'm like, yeah. And then I blow it off or I vacuum it <laughs> off once in a while. That's my answer. Yeah. It's like. Whenever I was doing hanging my tools up on on my wall, they're like, "How are you gonna get? How are you gonna protect them from the dust?" I said, <laughs> "I'm not." <laughs> dun 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 dun. <laughs> Electronics in the shop. I know you have like a pretty nice radio out there. When I started recording videos, it like completely changed the way I work in the shop to where it was it was quiet because I had to be quiet for the videos, and then it was just too much a hassle to turn it back on when the video, you know, back and forth and back and forth and back. So then I got in the habit of using those Bluetooth headphones, but now it's like, I can't stand, it's kind of weird, like, I I have to have some type of noise playing in the background when I'm out there now, whether it's just right from my cell phone or or into the headphones, or having my laptop going. Um, like this past weekend, I, I found out that you can um, uh, stream like football games and whatever on the computer. So I was watching the game, and like that was just background noise. And it's like it's been so long since I've got I've, I was in that habit. So how are you handling that with with video? Are you killing it whenever you're recording, or are you just kind of letting it play? Killing it when I'm recording. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I just kill the audio in my videos and and enjoy my tunes. It, it completely, I'm with you. It kills my my enjoyment if I'm out there in silence and I don't enjoy doing the back and forth. So I kill the audio on my videos. Um, but like for projects like this where I'm doing something outside, I don't have my music going, so I will keep all of the tool sounds in this video. You know, that's something I've always wondered. Like when we worked together in Wisconsin, you said that you you completely kill the audio while you're working so you can do a voiceover. And it was like the first time that really dawned on me, like that's actually what you do. And there's no tool noises in the background. So as a viewer, everyone listening to this, I'm curious to know, like does that little bit of very low volume tool noise in the background even make a difference one way or the other, or does it really not even matter? You know? Because mm-hmm. I try to keep all of my tool noises, but just bring them down so low to where I can speak over them, but they can still hear it. It's still kind of you still have that shop feel. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and I I definitely enjoy enjoy it whenever I'm able to do that. Um, like when like I said, whenever I'm doing outdoor projects or or projects at my folks' house, most of the time the tool noises are in them, and I enjoy it whenever I do that. But I'm just I'm just not willing to, to sacrifice having my shop time music music going. Uh, every single week. It's just, it drives me nuts. But yeah, it, viewers, I would love to hear what y'all think about it, watching the different videos. My, my thing is the, at, at least from my personal opinion, 
in the normalization of the you know the sound so that you're not like on a router and it's halfway quiet and then all of a sudden they fire up the table saw and all of a sudden you're you know a lot of people listen with headphones and they're just like wow that's just way too loud so I try to keep them at least a consistent volume but I know I like having them in the background too just because you know it's it's got more of that shop you know feel but. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do think it's interesting, Jay, that you uh, intentionally plan your videos that way, but then never picked up that I don't have my my shop tool noises in mine. Yeah, it's just something that I didn't like. It was the like the, you know little light bulb moment when you said that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. You don't. Like, I, I just tuned it out, I guess. But I put emphasis on it. But what's cool is like you know Frank Howarth and hit the audio in his videos. It's like it's. I love it when he rebuilds the audio. Doesn't use the audio straight from the tools, but re- rebuilds it. So you know that he's using that tool, but that's not the exact audio. That's yeah, so, Foley. It, yeah, he, it, man, Frank is just on a totally another story tell story telling level. It's just, it's just amazing. Frank's awesome. Yeah, I agree, and uh, he does a good job. And and I think if Frank weren't using his toll noises he uses them so much to his advantage for actually telling the story that he wants to tell like i don't think that he would be able to tell his story without his toll noises like he would never be able to just completely kill the audio and not have toll noises are you saying that frank would not make a good pantomime (laughs) (laughs) i guess you know i guess that is what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) i think he can do whatever he puts his mind to hashtag team frank (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey by the way i'm officially on hashtag uh team spindle sander oh my gosh yeah. i'm outnumbered you are you're officially outnumbered I'm, I'm i'm joining the forces well if i can get mine to where it's a convenient it's all about convenience for me if if something's not convenient i'm not going to use it if i can get mine to where it is convenient then i might probably maybe kind of maybe <laughs> maybe use it I mean, mine's always been convenient. I just never really found a good use for it. But then shaping the mallet handles, and then I even used it on the on a recent plasma cutting project doing some circle cutouts, and then there was something else I did it for. But anyways, I started thinking, huh, this little sucker is handy. So, yeah, I'm officially on, on the side of the spindle sander lovers. Spindle <laughs> sander lovers. Yeah, that's kind of difficult. I'm really surprised I got that out straight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm probably gonna be buried with my spindle sander. <laughs> I'll put a, I'll put the the two two in your hand as you're laying down, <laughs> so you'll have one in each in each grip. Yeah, I guess I just I grew up on them, or you know, they were always in our you know shop classes in middle school and high school, and um, I know some people attribute disc sander to outside curves and then spindle sander to inside curves. Mm. Well, if you, if you get a, you know, two, two inch spindle, I, I do outside curves with those as well. I mean, a lot of times a disc sander is for me for more for like refining the shape and you can end up with some flat spots pretty easily. That's what so, I would think. I don't know how yeah. you would shape something with a flat disc sander. I mean, if it's an outside curve, you know, like imagine you're just trying to, you know, shape the outside of an oval. A lot of people turn to the, you know, disc sander, which is nice. I mean, with the the amount of RPM, I think they're like seventeen hundred RPMs, and um, they they shape really nice. They can hog away material, but I, I like to refine it with a large spindle. And I think you need to get a different spindle sander, Jay. I think that one is kind of, yeah. It's the Harbor Freight one, so I just yeah. You know, 
went and got one. Whatever. So that's the then thing. It whistles. Yeah, it does whistle. Ooh, ooh, in and out. It's so annoying. Um, but uh, I just totally went blank. Oh, when I got the uh, the the spindle sander, it was just just go get one kind of thing, and that goes back to the whole like I hate buying stuff that I don't absolutely need because it just ends up being the wrong decision for me. It's just a reoccurring theme. Mm-hmm. If I absolutely needed it for one project, then at that point I would most likely put a little bit more emphasis on it and probably wouldn't have gotten the one that I got. Well, yeah, and that and we were looking at doing the, the cabrio legs with it and we never ended up doing that. And I think you would have seen a lot more of the benefit there with, with doing those legs and using it. But Jay, are you hot? I am sweating like so I turned the air Why? conditioner off right before this this podcast so it wouldn't be so noisy on the microphone and I don't know why but it, it feels like it's jumped 10 degrees in, in the in here so you guys can't see it but I'm using cold water bottles to cool my forehead off it's <laughs> you look like you're dying I'm not dying I'm just I'm a little needy right now <laughs> <laughs> you look really white and red at the same time Ah, uh, yeah we'll just say that's my camera <laughs> Moving well, don't on to pass some, out on us. huh? I said, don't pass out on us. <laughs> yeah, you guys want to jump into some questions? Let's do it. All right, Caleb Harris says, I have a question about table saw use. I normally see this difference while cross cutting on the table saw. Sometimes the stock will uh, be pushed all the way through the blade and past the riving knife, and then moved away from the blade. Other times, the stock is pushed into the blade just far enough that the cut is completed, and then backed out of the blade. I found myself doing both as well. Is there a reason? Wait a minute. Does that? Do you guys understand that question? I do, and, yeah. and no, the, you're not supposed to. I mean, longer pieces, I've ripped them down, and then you tilt it up and out of the blade, but never, never reverse wood. If if I'm getting the question right, it sounds like she's getting he. you know the cut made and then backing it out. Um. Well, you know, like if I'm using the miter gauge, I will go forward and then just pull my miter gauge back and, and keep my piece of wood rested against the miter gauge and also pull it back off of the blade, you know, towards oh, I you. Thought the, I thought they were is, talking rip cut. Oh, is he? Did I misunderstand? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I did. It's cross cutting. It's, um, cross cutting. Oh. I guess I get what they're saying. It's, you make the cut to where the two pieces are now, the one piece has now become two. And instead of pushing it forward to get away from the blade, you just pull it backwards. Or you pull it to the right, and he's asking, "Is there? He's done, he's doing both and sees both. Is there reason for doing one over the other?" Oh, I'm sorry. Most people cut on the left of the blade, so to the left or to the back. Yeah, you had yeah you cut with your you you have your fence on the left of the blade, right? Yeah. So Typically. I so I will make the cut and then pull my stock to the right, which pulls it away from the blade. But most people would pull it to the left. Generally speaking, it's the safest thing to do is complete the cut, push it forward out of the way, and leave it alone and shut the saw off. And then once the saw blade is not spinning, then remove the wood. But some people you've seen on videos, I'm sure you have. Um, I know there's a couple guys off the top of my head that I don't want to like name drop here that make the cut and then pull the, the, the material backwards as the material is in between the blade and the fence. If they're safe doing that and they've never had any accidents and they're just very aware of what they are doing, then that may work for them. I wouldn't recommend it. I would always recommend completing the cut, pushing it safely past the blade, shutting the saw off, 
And once the blade stops spinning, then get your material. Yeah, I would I would agree, um, especially if, if you're just beginning, because you want to be able to do it the safe way and learn that and have that just tattooed in your brain. And as you get comfortable, as the years go by, you'll just understand how wood acts as you push it through, as you do this. So you, you gain a, a comfort level, and that's to each individual. So don't, I would agree with Jay, you know, push it through. Shut the saw off, wait for the blade to stop spinning, and then grab your pieces as you need them. It might take a little bit longer, but it's definitely the safest way. You're not talking about much time at all. That That's one thing I've noticed, like looking back on how I, and I may not do this 100% of the time now, but looking back on how I used to use my table saw, I would always push my material through the blade to where my good piece is beyond the back of the blade and then my off cut is still sitting next to the blade and for some reason I would always want to push it away from the blade well if it's just sitting next to the blade there's absolutely nothing wrong with just shutting the saw off and then waiting till it stops and then removing it you're not you're not saving that much time by getting it away from the blade and in the, in the while it's still spinning so yeah just wait till everything is stopped before you start moving off cuts and, and trash away from the side of the blade. While we're on the topic of a bit of safety, we don't, I don't think we talk about it enough. Maybe we should dedicate a, a podcast to it, but um, the router, a lot of people don't give the router the due respect that it needs um, or shaper for that matter. I mean, shapers are pretty gnarly, but definitely watch for kickback and fingers and stuff on a router. I mean, it can kick that piece out and then, you got that momentum going with your fingers into that spinning bit. I've seen some pretty gnarly stuff on a router. Yeah, maybe we do need to cover safety in one one of these episodes. All right, looks like we got another question here from John. I've been struggling with the decent decent dust and chip collection on my drill press. What are the three? What do the three of you use? How effective is it? And do you have any recommendations on approaches or systems for the drill press? Yeah, my dust collection is a broom and a dustpan, and mm-hmm. it's very effective, <laughs> and I highly recommend <laughs> it. Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with Jay. The, my dust collection is the shop floor, and I just I just pick it up afterwards. They do make a uh, I forget the drill what that, NATO. What is it called? The drill NATO. Drill NATO. Yeah, I've seen it at the woodworking shows or at the different circuits at WIA even. But it's like a little boot that you can put around your drill press that uh, allows you to vacuum up the chips as you're creating them. But I, I don't. I don't bother. At the drill press, I like having a shop vac, a vacuum around, just because even brushing it off, you always want to make sure that back fence is clean and the table's clean before you register your next piece. So sometimes it's handy just after a bunch of cuts with a. Because, in fact, I just, in that lumber rack I was making, I had to do 128 three-quarter inch Forstner bit holes. And, uh, yeah, it was just nice to have a shop back there to kind of suck up the chips every every few boards and either that or just sweep it on the floor. Yeah, that's a fair amount of um, dust for that one. But the way I see the drill press, it's it's just, it's such a quick tool to use. You walk up, mm-hmm. you, you change the bit if you need to, but you drill your hole and you go away. Um I don't, that's one of those tools where I don't want to fuss with having the dust collection in the right spot and, and having to set something up. Now, I have seen some applications where they have like maybe a, a magnetic arm attached to the pillar of the drill press and it's always right there ready to go and, and it still works pretty well. 
but it's just one of those tools that I've never really put emphasis on for dust collection. I would probably be more inclined to do something about, uh, I don't want to say dust, it's more or less large chips. Uh, chip management rather than dust collection. Maybe like a a, a stand that has a, to, to collect larger chips as they fall, and then you just dump that rather than something to do with suction. Yeah. I could I could see the drill nato being effective if if you had a lot of a lot of repetitive stuff. But like Jay said, it, it oftentimes it's you just go over there, you make a couple holes. Normally it's just for accuracy or you're trying to lock in a depth and you don't typically have a ton of chips and dust over there, but maybe try having a shop vac nearby and see if see if you like going through the motions on that and if you do then you know, then maybe that's a better option than sweeping or or try the drill nato. Yeah. No affiliation with them, but yeah. Not no, enough. but but the one thing I saw that at uh, WIA what, that was pretty cool is they had uh, they had now that same company is making a scroll NATO. Now, granted, I don't I don't scroll saw much, but and you know you don't have a ton of dust, but that was that was a cool way to capture it just to kind of keep keep it a little bit cleaner if you're a big scroll saw guy. Yeah, I will say that whatever dust collection system that you use regardless of what tool i'm a huge fan or i'm on the side of i should say i'm on the side of suction rather than propulsion so i'm not a big fan of using like compressed air to blow stuff off because all it does is relocate it rather than remove it you know well it relocates it into the shop vac if that's what you're doing well i'm saying like if you just blow it off into the air well it's still relocation anyway you get what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) don't let him rope you in jay (laughs) <laughs> if you're working outdoors or you got the garage door open, I think I think compressed air is not a problem. That's what I was getting at. See, I still disagree with that because um, blowing it up, whatever you blow outside of the shop, you're going to create a draft coming back in. So you just stir it up in the air. When I used to blow my shop out with my um, leaf blower, I'd, I'd notice that I'd, I'd blow the whole shop out. And by the time I got to the other side, what I started with had a thin layer of dust on it because as you blow this cloud outside into the driveway in front of your garage or my garage then it had to make up some of the air that was going out so it would suck some back in which was some of the fine dust anyway and it's like a revolving cycle if you don't have a one-way draft and i think i'm making a little bit more big of a deal out of that than what it is but you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah i'm I'm used to being on a lot of like outdoor builds and stuff and um it depends i mean if you got a crosswind right in front of your garage door but yeah, I think we're getting into uncharted waters there. Hey, can we switch topic topics for a second? What you no. got? Um, well, I'm gonna say yes. He's gonna say yeah. What you got? No, thanks, Jay. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about getting like a uh, a different face shield, like a better one for using at the lathe or just doing like maybe using the router stuff that really creates a lot of dust. And have you all seen the? I think it's called the Air Trend, and it actually like circulates the air for you. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do y'all have? Y'all. Ever had one on your face? I've never had one on my face, but I've had a ton of people recommend it. I mean, it really? it sucks in filtered air from the back, if I'm not mistaken, and blows it into your the face of the mask. So, in general, it creates a natural filtered air path away from your face rather than dust being blown up into it. So, I've had a lot of positive recommendations for it. It is a pricey investment, but um, I, I haven't actually used it hmm i wonder well i mean it's still good to hear that people are recommending it though because it looks goofy and but 
you know, I'm fine with looking goofy if it actually works, but just typically if things look goofy, I'm like, uh, is that, is that worth looking at? (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't had that brand, haven't used that brand, but when I worked in manufacturing, uh, once in a while I'd help out in the paint department and they Mm -hmm. had a, you know, a fresh air hood that you'd have to wear. I think for the lathe, I think that air trend, I think to me would be overkill. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially if you're if you have a decent dust collection with a big scoop on the back while you're sanding, and it, you can actually get a an airflow. But that's just me. I but you guys know I don't I don't mind breathing in a little bit of sawdust from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. That that completely unrelated, but that trend mask reminds me of the alien off Predator. Yes. You too. Good. Cool. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> why I was looking at it, but I wasn't going to say that. But yes. <laughs> Uh, it's all about function over fashion with that, though. Mm-hmm. Safety. Did I ever tell... I think I've told you guys, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but my, my favorite vehicle of all time is the Hummer H1 by AM General. You've told me. And I think I think the reason is because it's the whole function over form, and that's where it gets its form, is because it's purely function. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that when we were talking about the Baltic Birch edging or, you know, you guys saw, I have this aviation wire picture holder in my living room that jay and april have seen and it's very industrial looking and it's just you know it has its function but that's where it gets its form so it's very you know i like expanded metal wire cloth uh diamond plate that type of stuff tubular steel it's just very robust and functional all right well that wraps it up for this week's episode uh, I want to remind you there's a couple different ways you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. Go to the woodworkingpodcast.com and at the top you'll find a couple buttons to subscribe on Android RSS or on iTunes. If you are on iTunes, be sure to drop us a review. That always helps. And for those who already have, we do very much appreciate the feedback. And thanks to all of our Patreon supporters and the website contributors. You can uh, contribute to our podcast if you'd like to by going to patreon.com slash thewoodworkingpodcast or going to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and clicking on the contribute button. But anyway, thanks for listening. You guys take care and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everyone. Have a good one.